Well, a lot of you will recognize Ted Turner, whose photograph is on the screen. You know, very, very wealthy businessman, media mogul, founded CNN and other companies as well over the years. You know, been controversial at times, but no doubt he's, you know, he's, he's a powerful person and been a mover and shaker in his life. He's, he's up in his early 80s now, somewhere around there. And, um, when he was growing up, he grew up religious, grew up in a religious family. Then uh, when he was a, before he became an adult, he saw his sister who died when she was 17 go through a lot of suffering for a few years. And he just didn't know how to deal with that, and so he became an agnostic. And not long ago, he was being interviewed by Fortune magazine, and they asked him if he was still an ag- agnostic, and he, he said, yeah. But then it's interesting because he added, I still say prayers for my friends who are ill. Little short prayers, many prayers. It can't hurt anything. And what's interesting is that research surveys show us that the majority of people in this country do pray. Some pray more than others, but most people in this, this country do pray, and, and some will say they pray at least once a week. A lot will. And yet many of them don't really know what prayer is, do not have a relationship with God. But it's interesting that there's just something innate, intuitive within us that, that we seek that higher being, particularly when there's a need or a crisis and so on. But can we be honest? A lot of us who are followers of Christ, who are believers in Jesus Christ, his disciples, we struggle to have a really meaningful, effective prayer life. Can we just be honest and acknowledge that? How many of you have ever felt guilty when, it, when you, you heard a sermon on prayer? Anybody? Well, I need to pray more. I need to pray better. Uh, let's be honest. Sometimes we, we, we renew our commitment to prayer, and, and after a little while we get bored with it because it becomes very repetitious. We start praying the same things over and over, and we, we don't know how to keep it meaningful and and, and so we, we stop or maybe we get busy in life and we get this. There's all kinds of, of, of reasons. So let's just start, start by, by asking this question. What is it that makes it challenging for us to pray? All right, just tell me. What is it that makes it challenging for you, for us as believers, to have a really great prayer life? What is it? What are some things? Distractions. What else? Come on, talk to me, church. Busy life. Falling asleep. Yep. All right. Lazy, do what? TV, yeah, yeah, a lot of time watching TV or, you know, activities. I mean, we can go on and on with all these reasons. And I want to summarize, I think, the reasons that keep us from praying in, in three, three, uh, with three categories, okay? Let's look at these on the screen. One is time. That's the idea that we're busy, a um, lot going on, particularly if you're still raising kids or if you've got a job where you have to travel a lot, etc. We're just, we're just busy. There's a lot of distractions. We don't always utilize our time. We fill it. We fill it with stuff that takes the place of time we could spend with God. And then let's just be honest, the heart. Sometimes we just don't have much desire. Sometimes there's just not a drive, a passion, a hunger, a desire. We kind of know we're supposed to, a need to. We feel bad because we don't. But there's not much inside that just says, hey, I'm excited and I want, you know, like, you know, when you were dating and you had all that desire to be with him or her as much as you could. And, but now with God, you were like that when you first got saved, but you've reached that point where there, that passion, it's just not what it was. And so sometimes the heart, the spiritual condition gets in the way of us praying. And I think another issue is lack of knowledge not understanding what prayer really is. 
None understanding the breadth of prayer. None understanding how to pray. Some of the the how-tos and some of the theological and biblical principles behind uh, effective prayer. And so I think all of that is part of it. So here's what we're going to do. Over the next five Sundays, both in worship service and in Sunday school, we're going to focus on prayer. Now about 75% of our adult classes, there's two or three that are not, but most of our classes have agreed and they're, they're studying prayer. Some lessons on the Lord's Prayer. It started this morning looking at why to pray and how to pray, and then in the weeks to come, some of the phrases in the Lord's Prayer, look at other Scripture passages to learn about how to give thanksgiving, how to confess, and all of that. So we'll be learning about prayer. And I'm going to preach on the Lord's Prayer for the next five weeks. My sermons will not be a duplication of what you're doing in Sunday school. They'll, they'll, they'll support it. Uh, I'm going to just stay in the Lord's Prayer uh, each Sunday. Uh, and, and the goal is, the hope is that at the end of this month, at the end of these five Sundays, when, when it comes to that issue of time, you, you will say, you know what? Prayer is such an important thing in life for reasons I did not understand before this series started. Prayer is so important to my relationship with God, to my life, that I'm going to do what I have to do to make time for it. That you'll be motivated to create a space, white space sometimes. You'll create space. Say no to some things so you can say yes in your relationship with God. And when it comes to the heart, the goal is that as you learn to pray the way I think Jesus is teaching us to pray and as we uh, work over the next few weeks to talk about how to pray, maybe in some ways you haven't traditionally done, that your heart will begin to change and as you begin practicing it, okay? Your passion, your spiritual energy will change. How many of you have ever not really been motivated to do something but you know you needed to do it and because you needed to, you did it and once you did it, you were glad you did and you felt better and you were more energized? Well, time with God is like that. Bible reading and prayer, if done properly, can be like that. So we're going we're gonna to help you learn how to do that and hopefully it will bring some renewal to your heart and in the process begin to see some change in your life and in your spiritual life. The, the lack of knowledge, well, let's just talk about prayer. What is prayer? How do we pray? Uh, learn more about God, more about yourself because that's a big part of prayer. And also learn, what, what do each of the phrases in the Lord's Prayer that you just heard the choir saying, what, what do those phrases mean? What, what is all of that really talking about? And I want to encourage you, if you're on vacation, uh, have to miss a Sunday, uh, watch the live stream on, on one of your media devices. Watch the live stream of the service, and if you can't watch it when it's actually happening, it's, it's always recorded and there, and you can open up you know, the, the, the church website and, and go to the live stream and click the service you want to watch and watch it anytime during the day. So you don't have to watch it when it's actually happening on the live stream. So I guess we need to call that something besides live stream. So it's live and it's not live. It's there. So I encourage you to do that so you, you can learn. Now today, I want to introduce this subject to the Lord's Prayer and talk a little bit about how to pray. Just some of the basics, the basic philosophy of how to pray as far as what Scripture teaches. And so if you have your Bible, open it with me to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6. Okay, Matthew chapter 6. The Lord's Prayer is recorded in two places in the New Testament, in Matthew and then also in Luke. And you'll notice there are some differences between the two, and we're going to talk about that. But the, the traditional Lord's Prayer that people sing and people quote is from Matthew 6. Now, you know, 50 years ago when 
most people use the King James, then everybody used the same language when they quoted the Lord's Prayer. Now we have multiple translations, so there's some variance there uh, because of how you translate it into, in, in, into English. Nothing wrong with that. that that's, that's fine, but we don't all, you know, have, have, we've not all memorized it verbatim the same way, okay, because of the Word. So, but I want us to use Matthew's version of the Lord's Prayer as our primary text as we start uh, talking about it. So let's read it together. <clears throat> In Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 9, and I'm reading from the New American Standard translation. <clears throat> Follow with me as we read together. And I think, yeah, we've got the words on the screen for you too if you don't have a Bible. Jesus says, Pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts some of you probably grew up saying trespasses. Um, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, Luke's, Luke's version of the Lord's Prayer is a little different. And if you got a copy of the bulletin this morning, the insert for taking notes on the sermon has... Uh, printed out for you parallel to each other, side by side, Matthew's version and Luke's version of the Lord's Prayer. And so let's look at Luke's version in chapter 11 because it's a little bit briefer. And he said to them, Jesus said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us and then lead us not into temptation. So, Similar, but briefer, and there are some differences. And it's, it's funny, some people, when they see those differences, they think, what's, what's, what's wrong? Well, nothing's wrong. Um, how many of you have ever told the same story different times to different people and then telling it not said it exactly the same? Not because either one was wrong. You just don't say it the same way each time, right? I teach and preach a lot. And I may use analogies, and I can use an analogy in this sermon to make that point, and that same analogy in another sermon to make a different point. That's just life. So don't let that bug you. The other thing is, in Luke's gospel, the Lord's... So Jesus did that, okay? Jesus used the same analogies and same teachings more than once to different groups. Y'all, you, you, you okay with that? You got that? And so in Luke's gospel, there was a time when the disciples, they'd been watching Jesus pray, and, and they saw that that was his habit. And so they said, Lord, would you teach us to pray? And so that's what he said, the Luke version. That's when he was teaching them to pray. Now, Matthew's a totally different setting. Matthew's, when, when Matthew records Jesus teaching the Lord, what we call the Lord's Prayer, it wasn't in response to them asking, teach us how to pray. Instead, it's in the middle of his Sermon on the Mount. Most famous sermon ever preached, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount. Our D groups are currently in the process of memorizing the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, in the middle of that sermon, Jesus talks about prayer. And he says some things leading up to the Lord's Prayer and after the Lord's Prayer about prayer. So in Matthew's version, it's in a sermon, and it's a longer version, and it has some things. All right, that's not a contradiction, but you understand what it, what's going on, okay? Um. And the Lord's Prayer is not something that Jesus said, when you pray, these are the words you're supposed to say. 
The Lord's Prayer is given as a model, as an outline, as a tool to help you know how to pray. Okay? Nothing wrong with memorizing it. Nothing wrong with quoting it, praying it. But its, but it's, but it's intention is to help us know how to pray. It's a model. It's an outline. Uh, Origen, who was one of the early church leaders in the, in the 100s, the second century, uh, talked about that. The early church leaders talked about that. that. That's what the Lord's Prayer, that's what its purpose was. <clears throat> and so he was the first one. He didn't call it this, <clears throat> but, but he came up with what is essentially this, this an acronym that people have for the Lord's Prayer of A, adoration, C, confession, you know, T, thanksgiving, S, supplication. He called them something different, but he came up with that, you know, 2,000 years ago almost. And that's how people say so. One, one approach is say the Lord's Prayer is teaching you, you know, your prayers need to have thanksgiving. They need to have adoration and praise of God. Your prayers need to have times of confession. Your prayers need to include uh, supplication, petition, praying for people and about things and asking God for stuff. And all of those are to be part of prayer. And all of that is, is, is very, very true. But there's also uh, more, more to it than that. And so we're going to jump into it, okay? Today, just kind of get us started. And I want to encourage you, if you normally don't attend Sunday school, attend Sunday school this month and, and get the full teaching that we're making available on prayer. Learn how to pray. Because once you learn how to pray, listen, prayer is not just about, hey, I've got this need or this want or this issue. Prayer changes your life because it changes your relationship with Jesus Christ. At its heart, prayer is about a relationship. It's about communion. It's about a conversation. It's about a dialogue between you and your Lord, your God, your King, your Savior, your Heavenly Father. And so today I want us just to look at some basics. And there's four things I want to point out about the Lord's Prayer from Matthew that are lessons for us about how to pray. So jot these down. Are you ready? Here's the first thing is is he teaches us that our focus is supposed to be on God and not ourselves. Our focus is on God, not ourselves and our needs and our issues and our fears and whatever's going on. That's part of it, but that's not the focus. Look at the context. So, so remember, this is in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, Sermon on the Mount begins with the, ba- with, with, with the Beatitudes when Jesus is on the mountain and he sits down and he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall, you know, etc. That's where it starts. And then in the middle in chapter 6, the Lord's Prayer, but he sets the table for it in verses 5 and 6. He says, when you pray, so look at verses 5 and 6 with me in your Bibles. He said, when you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogue and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room and close your door and pray pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, the people Jesus were talking to, he, he, he knew there were some of the Pharisees and others there, who loved to walk in the marketplaces and public squares and they would pray out loud drawing attention to themselves. They were making a show of it. So they were the focus was on, look at me, how spiritual I am. Look at me, how religious I am. 
And we've all known some people in church, even when they pray in church, that's really sometimes what they're doing, right? How flowery can I be? How this? You know, they're, they're, that's just human nature. And, uh, and so Jesus was saying, don't do that because your focus is on the wrong place. Now, most of us don't make that mistake. In fact, a lot of us who are followers of Christ are too intimidated to pray in front of anybody anyway. So that's not our issue. But we do sometimes, some of us, we do sometimes struggle with our focus in, in some different ways. We struggle with our focus not being on God, but on ourselves. What we want, what we need, what we would like, what we're dealing with, rather than the focus being on God. Now, we need to pray for our needs. I appreciate those of you who pray for me. Uh, we, need, we, we, we have brothers and sisters who are going through things. We need to pray for them. There's nothing wrong with that. We need to do that. But if the focus of your prayer life is primarily, predominantly on things you want, things you need, things you care about, things you're concerned about, then your prayer life is you're, you're, it's, it's very limited. That is too limited. It's not big enough. And it's not really including God and what God's about in this world as much as it could. And it's not going to be transformative. It's not going to change you spiritually and grow you the way it could if your focus was on Him more than just on you. I'm going to illustrate that for you here with the, the board. And uh, by the time we get to the end of the sermon, hopefully help you understand how this works. But let's think of prayer this way, okay, here's God, the one to whom we pray, all right? Now, here is you, okay, me, each of us individually. And over here is, let's just say, our needs, our concerns, whatever they are, okay? Now, for most of us, let's just be honest, when we pray, our focus if I say somebody's gazing, you're just staring at it, right? That's your focus. Um, for most of us, when we pray, this is our focus. This is where we're gazing, right? We're focused on what scares us, what we're afraid of, what we want, what we need, what we'd like to see happen. That's the focus. And God is up here and we're, and, and we're saying, God, now do something, but this is our focus, not really him. So you might say we gaze at our needs while we sort of glance at God. And we're saying, God, fix it. God, change it. God, do this. So we're focused. We're gazing at the need, what's on our mind, and kind of, you know, just glancing at God. Healthy prayer, prayer that's transformative, is the opposite. The gaze is on God, and the glance is on our needs. Our focus is on Him, knowing the whole time that in His grace, He cares about this. He already knows all about this. Now, before we get into specifics, just philosophically, big picture, does that make sense? Do you, do you get what I'm saying here? 
And I think one of the reasons we get bored with prayer, we don't we, we, we pray the same repetitive prayers over and over, is because this is how we've been trained to do it. Not here. Now when I do this, I'm still going to pray for these needs. But the prayers are different. And when I do it this way, when I gaze at God, I pray about a whole lot more than just this. And when my gaze is on God, part of what happens is I end up being spiritually energized. I end up changing. I end up growing. I end up having passion. I end up drawing closer to Christ when I do it the natural man way of gazing at all the problems, there's very little encouragement. There's very little change. There's very little passion and energy because I'm not looking at Jesus. I'm not focusing on Jesus. I'm not thinking about Jesus. I'm focusing on looking at, thinking about all of this stuff. And there's not much encouragement that comes from that, is there? Spiritually or otherwise. See, there's nothing going on in my life, in your life, and in this world that God does not already know. Prayer is about your intimacy and your walk with Jesus, your relationship with Him, more than it is about asking God to change things. That's a byproduct of it. So the first thing you need to understand if you want to have a great prayer life, a meaningful prayer life, is, is Jesus said you've got to have, you, you've got to do it the right way with the right focus, not to draw attention to yourself, but put your focus on God. You see, when I do this, my attention is on me because it's on what I want. My attention is on me because it's on what I think I need, what I would like to happen. My focus is not on God. There's different ways this temptation can grab us. I just think that's the way it affects us today. And so I'm encouraging us to say lift up your eyes and focus on God. Now, there's another challenge. I, I'm going to talk about it a little bit more next service because I've already spent more time on that than I had planned to. But another thing that hard, makes it hard for us to focus is, is we're busy, it's particularly if you're a mom raising kids or certain jobs. We're busy. I really don't have time to dive into that this morning, but I'm just going to say when you focus on God, it changes your life, and when you begin to focus on Him, it'll change how you deal with your time issues. i got to run because we're out of time. <laughs> it's kind of ironic, isn't it? <laughs> All right, here's number two. You ready? Pray with feeling and passion. He said, well, preacher, that makes sense, yeah. But we don't always do it. Look at verse 7. He said, when you're praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do. For they suppose that they will be heard for their, their many words. Meaningless. Now, Jesus did not say don't pray the same thing more than once. Don't make repetition. That's not what he says. He says do not make meaningless repetition." Nothing wrong with memorizing prayers. One of the television programs that Monisa and I like to record and watch is Blue Bloods. We like a lot of the cop shows and stuff. 
one of the things that we enjoy about that show is every in every episode, any of you watch Blue Bloods? In every episode, they have Sunday afternoon dinner around the table. The whole family comes together, a bunch of cops and prosecutors, you know, and, and they, they sit around the table and they have candid family conversation, but to say grace. And the reason I like it is because there's not t- many TV shows anymore where every week they're praying, okay? That's a memorized prayer. Our, our, our granddaughter, Liliana, who turns five this week has memorized that same prayer, and she is so excited. She loves to say that prayer every time we, we, we eat. And, she'll, and if one of us is trying to pray, she'll stop us because she wants to say that prayer. You know, bless us, O Lord, for these thy gifts which we are about to receive from thy bounty through Christ our Lord. Amen. You know, a little prayer people memorize. Nothing wrong with memorizing. People, some of you have the Lord's Prayer memorized, right? There, there are some churches that, that recite the Lord's Prayer every Sunday. Nothing wrong with that. Unless... It just becomes words. And then everything's wrong with it. And too often in our prayer life, whether it's recited prayer, listen, listen, all of us have our routines when we pray. How many of you, when you sit down to pray, you're going to say grace, the blessing before you eat? And uh, maybe you haven't memorized that that little prayer. Most of you probably haven't. But you're going to say prayer before you eat. And you know if so-and-so prays, you could quote their prayer before they pray it at dinner, right? Because we're just like that. We're creatures. And we can sometimes, <laughs> you, you ever driven somewhere and got there and wondered, how did I get here? Because hmm, you, you were like in auto mode? Hmm. That's... So it's easy for us spiritually and in our prayer lives to kind of get on autopilot and, and for it be, to become meaningless and lose its passion and its, 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 its energy. And, and do you know what the key to keeping passion in your prayer life is? Love. Love. Love for God. Love and concern for the people you're praying for. Because when you love, you do it with passion. And when love is absent, there's not much passion. And so it, it is it's absolutely critical that you keep your relationship with Jesus healthy and hot, if you if, if I could say that, okay? Just keep it energized and passionate because your prayer life's not going to be if you don't do that. And by the way, a good prayer life is one of the keys to keeping your relationship with Christ close and on fire and passionate too so this is all going to come together because they all work together so with feeling impassioned some of you probably are at a place right now where your prayers you pray but there's not much behind it i've been there here's number three surrendering to his will because since prayer listen since prayer is a primarily about my relationship with god and my spiritual development and my growth and and so on and my intimacy with him if I'm not willing to obey him, if I'm not willing to do what he says, if I'm not willing to be surrendered, I'm probably not going to pray very long because you can't stay in the presence of God and stay the way you are. And so when God starts working and, and, and growing and changing things, we find ways to pull out of that situation. So we, 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 we lessen up on our prayer. We, we slack up on our Bible reading. We... And, and anything that's going to confront us, we, we kind of pull away from. And so in the middle of the Lord's Prayer, in verse 10, one of the things Jesus said we need to pray is, is Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done. 
that, that one of the key elements of, an, of a passionate prayer life is having a heart and a will and a soul, a life that, that, that is willing to surrender to him, surrender to his lordship, to his kingship, surrender to Jesus. Um, because it's about, notice it's about his kingdom. His kingdom. Your kingdom come, your will be done. It's about his mission. It's about what he's up to. You see, it's not about me and mine. It's about him and his. And when I get that right, (laughs) it's amazing what starts happening over here. In our uh, D groups, and we're going to be talking a lot about D groups, discipleship groups this fall here at the church, part of our Vision 21 for growing disciples. Uh, But I've got a couple groups I've been meeting with for several months and Early morning means I got. We meet at 6:30 on Tuesday and Wednesday mornings, and um, we read scripture. And what we do is, is 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 we read a chapter of scripture five days a week. You know, so five chapters a week. And and the purpose is just to spend time with God. So we're using our quiet time. You know, we're supposed to have a daily quiet time with God. So we're using our quiet time as the time for us to grow spiritually, as the time for us to grow as disciples. So we're reading Scripture, and the whole, we're praying, God, then when, we, when I read this chapter today, God, speak to me. I need to hear from you, and then I respond to him. And so I read that, that chapter, and I pray before I read that chapter, and I read that chapter of Scripture, and God speaks to me, and then I just make some brief notes in a journal about what God said to me and what it means in my life and how I'm going to respond. And, and sometimes it's simple, sometimes it's deep, sometimes it's, you know, basic stuff, sometimes it's pretty profound, it's, it varies. But Wednesday, this past Wednesday, July 3rd, I was reading the last chapter of Mark because we, we have a system, a, a plan we follow, okay? Uh, and by the end of a little over a year, we'll, we will have read the entire New Testament and, 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 and prayed through it. And so what really spoke to my heart, uh, Wednesday when I was reading Mark 16, the last chapter of, of that gospel is in verse 14 when it says Jesus reproached them for their unbelief. The disciples, because remember the women came to the tomb early that Easter morning and learned of the resurrection, went back and told the disciples and the disciples didn't believe them. And so it says that Jesus reproached them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they had not believed those who had seen him after he had risen. And having just read the gospel of Mark over the last uh, you know three weeks, Jesus told them on multiple occasions in very plain language that he was going to go to Jerusalem, that he was going to be executed, crucified, buried, and on the third day raised from the dead, and then he would meet them up in Galilee. He told them that in plain language more than once. So they go to Jerusalem, Jesus is arrested, he's crucified, he's buried, and now that Sunday morning on the third day, the women come and say, hey, we saw him, he's come back alive, and they said, no. And I got to thinking about that, how Jesus had told them it happened just the way he said, and they still didn't believe. And I got to thinking, God, how many times in my life have have I not heard you? And how many times in my life have have I not seen what you were up to because I was too stubborn, I was too hard hearted, I was stuck in my way, my own belief system, whatever it was. Can, anybody been there? How many times have I missed God because I, I, no, I, no. And so I wrote a prayer. And my prayer was, Lord, 
Give me ears to hear, eyes to see, a mind to understand, and a heart to believe. Grow me. Never allow me to be stuck, to miss you and what you are saying. My flesh and its desires and fears get in the way. So crucify them, Lord, and may the spiritual me be greater than the earthly me. Now, that's not the kind of prayer I would pray if I just sat down to pray about all the things that are on my heart and mind, all the issues in life, right? But because I get into God's Word and I hear God speak to me about life and about my life and about my spiritual development and my walk with Him, then all of a sudden my focus changes. I hear God, I respond to God, and I pray a prayer to God that does a work in me. And then it's so easy to pray about these. And guess what? These don't scare me as much because my focus is here, not there. Amen? See, you can't have a prayer life if you don't want God to grow you and change you and you rest in His holy presence. So be surrendered to His will and get His Word. And one of the things we're going to teach you, and that will be a big part of what the D groups will be about, is a relationship with Jesus Christ because prayer changes you. Now here's the last thing because I'm out of time. Number four. Pray to change the world. Pray to change the world. Look at verse uh, 10 again. He said, your kingdom come, your will be done, where? On earth as it is in heaven. God wants this world to change. And guess what? As my life changes, things change. And then the more I become like Christ, then the impact I have and the influence I have and the things that God has me doing changes the world. And how do you change the world? One person at a time, one life at a time, one deed at a time, one act at a time, one decision at a time, one choice at a time. Our memory verse for July is printed in your bulletin. Remember, we're memorizing a different Bible verse each month about Jesus. And it's this one where Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. What does Jesus say? You follow me, you follow me, and I'm going to use you to change lives. Pray to change the world. I've I've been using that 30-day prayer guide that's part of Who's Your One, praying for Jim and Tom, the two. I, I, I I couldn't just do one, so I've got two. Uh, who need the Lord, and I've been praying for them using that prayer guide. And you know what's beautiful? I've prayed for them all month, and I haven't prayed the same prayer for them any two days in a row because of using that prayer guide. It's a beautiful thing because you pray, you're learning how to pray Scripture. So if you haven't done it yet, go to the Bible app, the Version Bible app, and download that, that, that Who's Your One prayer guide and start praying for lost people in your life. And, and listen, just use it every month. Okay, 30 different prayers for lost people. You say, I don't know how to pray for somebody who's lost. Use that app. You can pray a different prayer every day for somebody who's lost for a month and then just repeat it the next month and then repeat it the next month. There will be nothing monotonous about that, and you can do that in two or three minutes. It won't take long at all. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm past time. So are you all ready to get right with God? Hmm? Are you, you, you ready to do more than just pray God? Do this or do that, but, but, but get into the presence of God and let God do something? All right, let's stand, and we're going to sing, and 
This is not just to end the service. This is to respond to the Lord. And I'm asking you to come to the altar and get on your knees and say, God, this is what I need. God, this is what I want. God, do what you've got to do to get me there. Brother Jamie's here and you come and pray. If you need to make a public decision, come to Brother Jamie, our pastor. He'll be glad to talk with you. You want to join this church or give your heart to Jesus. So let's sing together and you just listen to God. Do what God's telling you to do right now. Come while we sing together, brothers and sisters.